What's up, everyone? It's your host, Thomas Kopelman, and this is The Long Game Podcast, a podcast about turning passions into purpose. In each episode, you'll hear highly motivated individuals share their stories of pursuing their passions, taking control of their destiny, and ultimately living their purpose, leaving you inspired to follow their lead. Thomas Kopelman is a financial advisor at RLS Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and his podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of RLS Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. It should not be considered advice. Consult your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. Hello and welcome, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Um, I'm Thomas Kopelman, your host, a financial advisor at RLS Wealth. Um, and I'm joined here today by Justin Castelli. Justin, thanks for joining me. I'm excited uh, to be a part of this project and help you get it started and be one of your first guests. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I would say today is an exciting day. I mean, if you think back from the time that we met, we've been talking about doing a podcast and creating content since at least January. So I think it's a long time coming and thankful that we're finally here. Yeah, well, you had no choice to put me on. I'm your boss. So you had to, you had to have me on one of the first episodes. That's true. That's very true. Well, again, thanks for joining me. Uh, can you start out by giving a little bit of background yourself? I know a lot of people probably know you, but a lot of the listeners um, that I know may not. So hopefully your listeners don't know me. That's the whole point of the podcast. Um, so my name is Justin Costelli. I am a financial advisor, the founder of RLS Wealth, uh, a registered investment advisor firm based in Fishers, Indiana. Started about five years ago. Um, so the long, my long story short, grew up in Indianapolis. Basketball was life. Went to Franklin College to play basketball. Met my wife going into my senior year. Uh, realized going to law school was no longer something I wanted to do. Didn't want to delay the next phase of my life. Had to figure out what I wanted to do. Stumbled into financial planning. Complete luck. Um, and it's where I've been ever since. So multiple steps along the way, which aren't very important for this this conversation other than it took a while to get where I'm at today, and we'll talk about some of that stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I um, love what I do. Um, I've become an entrepreneur over the last couple of years. And what we're going to talk about, kind of what's very important to me and why I love where I'm at, what I've created, what I continue to create, is because it allows me to focus on the people I care about the most, my family, my clients. Um, so everything centers around my wife and three boys, so the mm-hmm. RLS and RLS Wealth is Roman, Leo, and Silas. When I launched the firm, it was RL Wealth Management because Silas mm-hmm. wasn't around yet. So they're rebrand, but um, they are very much a part of who I am naturally. But then if you look at the content that I create and kind of my messaging, they're around a lot. My family is very important. So um, we're going to talk about purpose today and why things are structured the way they are. And everything that I've created and built has been with intention to put my family and my clients at the center and allow me to do the things that I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. No more kids, right? We don't need another no, company No name more change. kids. We, we actually, we, we talked about it. So my wife owns her own business as well. I'm going to plug it. Roman and Leo is the name of the store. It's a boy, boy's clothing store, and we're in our office, and we can look out the window, and I can see it. It's just right across the street from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually thought about having a fourth because Roman and Leo are 10 and soon to be eight. Silas is two and a half. He'll be, well, he'll be three on um, Halloween. That age gap. Roman and Leo play a lot together. They're close enough in age. They, they, they're they buddies. Mm-hmm. They're great big brothers. They incorporate Silas a lot. But there's going to come a point when Silas is five or six and Roman and Leo are older, they probably won't play around with him and he'll be by himself. So we thought, all right, it'd be cool for them to for Silas to have a little play buddy at home. And then um, that's when my wife signed the lease to her new, new storefront. We just decided bringing a baby in at that phase of our life didn't make sense. And Honestly, I think Silas was the perfect baby to end our family. Like, mm. I think he, I, I wouldn't have said before having him that our family was incomplete, but I having him now, our family's complete. Like, he's the perfect end. So, no no more kids. Well, there you go. Perfect. Um, so, kind of you talked about purpose is going to be a big thing that we talk about today, and you hit on this a little bit, but... Um, how does the life that you created for you and your family align with and allow you to live out that purpose? You know, I, I, taking a step back on purpose, I don't really think I grasped my my true reason for doing everything I want to do, my purpose, until maybe the last couple of years. And I want to bring that up is I'm, I'm hoping with this podcast, there's a lot of young professionals listening. And I think we want to, you know, we live in a society of instant gratification, whether that be going and buying something or we just want to figure out where we're going to be and be there right away. Mm-hmm. It's taken time to get there. 
Um, and all of my steps along the way in my career and experiences I've had help me figure out what it is that I'm supposed to be doing and why I'm supposed to be doing it. Um, so taking a step back, every the way the business is created and who we're helping and how we're growing in the future and why I brought you on is just to continue that effort of my, from a professional standpoint, my purpose is to help other people find and live their purpose. And the reason for that is now that I know what I'm supposed to be doing and moving forward and, and chasing that goal and those aspirations, like it's exciting. I enjoy mm -hmm. what I do every day. I'm in a position, finances aside, where I'm living the life that I want to live. And not very many people get to do that. And I want to help people do that because it's amazing. Um, if you're not in a career that you enjoy or you're working at an environment that you don't want to be at, like let fix it. Like take control of your destiny and figure out. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it happens right away, but fix it. And I want you and I and our firm as we grow to help people do that because there is a financial component. And this is not a financial podcast, but it's what I do. And so my purpose has become helping other people realize what their purpose is, what it is that they want to go. You know, we have a slogan, passion plus a, uh, your purpose equals passion plus a plan. Like, okay, you're passionate about something. Can that become your main reason for what you do? Let's plan for it and see if it'll happen. And I want people to help. I want to help people find what it is that I've found because it makes times like COVID, which are very stressful, um, manageable because yes there's things going on in the world that aren't ideal and our family's not immune to it but so many other things in my life are humming along and where they should be and what i want to do i want other people to find that as well so from mm -hmm. a professional standpoint my purpose is just helping people find their purpose and live it and that's from a clients that we work with at rls wealth but also part of what i'm doing in my business life is helping other advisors you know, find their story, tell their story to build the business that they want and help the clients that they want and ultimately find their purpose as a financial advisor. So purpose is a word that really came to me in the last year. I was working with a, like a meditation coach and I had to come up with a mission statement and ultimately kind of stumble down this path of finding purpose and what's the meaning, not necessarily the meaning of life, but like, why do I want to get up every day? Why do I want to come into the office? What is it that I want to accomplish and help? And what do I want to be known for? That's that's the purpose from the business standpoint. From a personal standpoint, my purpose is to enjoy my life with my family. Um, you know, not do things I don't want us to do. Put us in a position to live the life that we want and raise three good boys that will continue to do good in the world and help other people. Um, like that's that's it. You know, take care of my family. Enjoy my mm -hmm. life with my wife. Take care of the boys. Raise them to be good young men. Um, support them in what that is they want to do and give them opportunities to figure things out on their own and kind of guide them along the way. So um, that's that's my purpose. I think the personal side I knew earlier, like as a father, but as a business, it, it took a while to get there. But now that I know it, it makes work more enjoyable. It makes focus for work a lot easier because it can weed out the things that don't take me to it. Like if it's not taking us towards what we want to do here or what I'm doing with other financial advisors, then I'm going to say no to it because I have I have a vision. I have a place I want to go. I know my purpose. And if it's not taking me there, there's no reason for me to dedicate time, energy, or even money mm -hmm. towards it. It's a cool place to be. It um, is. For many of the people that don't know, our, our firm went through a rebrand this year, which is you know what you just talked about, that we are very purpose-centered. We're trying to help people live out their purpose, which is different than traditional financial planning. But for you, this was a this was a huge idea of yours. Do you think that this came about because of just the change in your life that you saw when you tried to align that purpose with what you do? Or what, what really triggered that? I think there's a couple of things. One of it was if I, I was kind of, before I met you, I had actually told all my clients that the RLS was, was done really taking on new clients one or two referrals a year. We're just going to grow real slow so that I can focus my efforts on working with other advisors. Like I really am passionate about helping other advisors and making the financial services profession better. Mm -hmm. But I can't do both. I love my clients. I don't want to sacrifice anything there. They come first. But if it came down to taking on a new client to do planning or helping out an advisor, I wanted to help out an advisor going forward. So I told them that. And then met you, saw that you know here's a great opportunity for adding a great young advisor to the firm, helping someone grow to become a better advisor, getting you out of an environment that didn't align with your values. It was just a win-win for me and ultimately will free me up to have more time to pursue the purpose from a business standpoint of helping other advisors. Uh, so that was part of it. And then I just decided, you know, if, we're, if I'm going to be 
still an advisor in a capacity of taking on new clients, whether that's jointly with you or just growing the firm, I want to grow with with people and planning that excites me. Mm-hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with what I will call traditional planning, you know, planning for retirement, planning for college, uh, but I've done that for 15 years. And I'll still continue to do that for my existing clients, but that doesn't that type of planning doesn't excite me. And also, there's a lot of advisors that do that. But what does excite me is creative planning. Creative planning is helping, you know, clients build a business. Last night I was talking with the clients and um, the fiance has a side hustle um, and talked about how could we turn that into actual business? And is that mm-hmm. something you really want? And if so, there's going to be financial adjustments we have to make to make that business a reality. But if you can do it, how much greater will your life be? How much more will you enjoy working? How much value will you've created for your life? Like, let's explore it. Let's plan mm-hmm. it and see if it happens. And if it doesn't, that's okay. But I don't want clients wishing they would have explored something and didn't do it because they were afraid. Mm-hmm. And it goes back before I got focused on helping advisors. I, did, I didn't I did do a rebrand from the firm standpoint, but I launched a new blog and a new podcast that I've since shut down that was focused on entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned it's been experiences along the way that's kind of led me to where I am today that I want you as the listener to find in your life that clarity and that focus. But I realized that the clients that excited me the most, again, not that I don't enjoy all my clients, but the ones where I was excited and the conversation was a lot of fun and I left energized to go do more and be better were with entrepreneurs. So I launched a blog and a podcast for entrepreneurs, went down that route. And again, the reason was planning with planning for an entrepreneur who's owning their own business, launching a business, growing their business is different. Mm-hmm. You have to take an approach that's not textbook. You have to think outside the box. And to me, that type of planning is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I also think that that is a differentiator. You know, as a business owner, I look at other advisor firms around. We all have our specialties. You know, some people are better at tax planning. Some people are having a different investment strategy. I wanted us to be known for worthy advisors that think outside the box. You know, we're not going to be malicious with what it is that we recommend for our clients, but we're not afraid to go against what our you know textbook curriculum says to do to make somebody's goals. A reality, and the reason, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm so comfortable doing that is that's how I launched this firm. Um, we may not get to it, but I had actually planned on starting my own firm before I launched this, and I went to go work at another firm in town. And in doing that, I drained down all of my savings that was supposed to help me launch my firm one day. And when I ended up launching, I took a distribution from my Roth IRA to launch the firm. Textbook 101 says never touch retirement assets. Don't do that. That's a bad investment. Uh, find other ways, and if you don't have the funds, don't do it. And for some people and for some reasons, that is very valid. But I knew I could launch my business. I knew I'd be more successful. And that was what I had to do. And it was the best investment I could have made from a financial standpoint, but also just from a quality of life. It got me out of an environment that wasn't great for my growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily happy. I wasn't fulfilled and put me in a position where now I'm fully in control. I'm working with people that I love. I'm growing a business the way that I want to do it. And I'm doing everything that I want. Anything that I want to try, anything that I want to do, I have the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm going to make it. Doesn't mean it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I pivot a lot. I bail on things a lot. But I get to try the things that I want to do because I'm fully in control of my destiny. And I, I, I want to say, not everybody aspires to have that. Not everybody yeah. wants that flexibility, wants that freedom, wants that responsibility. And that's okay. So I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and start their own business. But I think that if that is in you, you should definitely explore it. Uh, because I look at my wife, I look at me, we own our own businesses. You know, it's it's one thing to be like fully responsible for everything. Like no one's paying us except for ourselves, mm-hmm. but it offers us a lot of flexibility and freedom, which is very important to living my life and what I want to do. Yeah. And I think you hit on this, that there isn't one right path for everybody, but what we're trying to do and what this podcast is aimed at is helping people explore the options that are out there for them and think through it because traditional school you know, teaches you, you go to school, you go to college, you get the traditional nine to five job and that's great. And that might be right for some people, but the thought process of going behind, like, you know, how do I start a business? You know, how do I evaluate the trade-offs, how this affects my family? That's something that isn't really talked about a lot. And through this podcast, our, our goal is to help people be able to think clearly about what is right for them so they can make the right decision. If that's the nine to five, great. If it's starting a business, that's great. You know, if it's a startup, great, but it's just making sure people can actually figure out and understand how to go do those things that they want to do. I also think there's a, a change in like the generational goals. So I think 
I'm I'm a millennial at the tail end. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Me you too. Are. I'm the exact opposite. Other, tail end. So you're on the other end. Yeah. So we're bookending millennials here. Yeah. I think there's a new name for my generation. But anyways, <laughs> millennials value different things than our parents. Mm-hmm. And that my parents value different things than our grandparents. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents, depression era babies, hoard, save, be very, very conservative. My parents were the generation that spoiled their kids, which is why we have a lot of entitled kids out there who have uh, misconceptions of what life is really like. But mm-hmm. they wanted their kids to have more and better, and they were in a position to where they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Millennials, from what I'm seeing, you know, we have a lot of millennial clients. You know, we value experiences over possessions. We value flexibility and freedom of our time. We want that work-life balance where our parents think that's crazy. You, know, you work. You work hard to one day retire. Uh, I think that our generation wants to plan for the long term, uh, but we also want to experience today. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in finding balance. Um, And I just think that that's different. And that type of planning is different than somebody who's going to work. They're going to bust their ass for 30 years, sacrifice along the way to have this great retirement. I think the younger generation is saying, okay, I'm not afraid to work hard. But while working hard, I want to have balance. I want to be able to travel. I want to have the flexibility to work from wherever, work remotely, which now is going to be easier to do. Um, I want to take a year off and travel the world and plan for that. Okay, so I'm not going to save as much for retirement, but I'm going to save to have this sabbatical. And you know what? If I plan right, I'll probably work till I'm 75 because I'm going to live till I'm late in my 90s. Like the length of people's lives are changing, which means careers will change. And then you tie that into the desires and wishes of a younger generation and then wanting to live a different life. Planning needs to change with that. And Mm -hmm. our profession is older advisors and they're not comfortable doing that. They don't really have an incentive to do that, which is what excites me about what we're building is we've got the opportunity to do exciting planning, which Mm -hmm. is what I want to do and I want you to do. Um, So yeah, I, I definitely think that the... The goals of what young people want are different than their parents and grandparents. And planning and businesses need to adjust to that and bring what those clients, what those people want. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, kind of taking a step back a little bit, you hit on this somewhat, but you don't, you, you run this firm, but you also do more than that. You are the head of the advisor growth community. You also consult for other advisors. So to you can almost say you're a serial entrepreneur. So if you kind of think back toward to college, did you know that this was the path that you wanted? I know that you talked about, you know, law school and, you know, maybe that, that change, but did you always know that eventually you wanted to be an entrepreneur or start your own firm? I was not entrepreneurial at all. Um, and I would say that the entrepreneur in me did not evolve until the last few years. And I, and I attribute it to creating content, you know, starting a blog, starting a podcast, doing video, trying new things out and seeing ideas. And then also networking and consuming other people's content sparked ideas. And then the ideas don't stop coming. So in addition to that, I have a t-shirt store for financial advice. Like they're not like big businesses, Mm -hmm. but like, again, if there's ideas that I get, I want to have the flexibility to try them. Even if it's not a big moneymaker, it's it's just kind of fun things to do. Um, I was not entrepreneurial growing up. Like I remember the kids that would bring candy to school and sell it, or they would bring Mm -hmm. pencils to school to play pencil pop. You probably don't know what that is, but basically like you would try to break each other's pencils. Mm -hmm. So they'd buy a pack of 10 pencils, a buck, they'd send each one for, sell each one for 25 cents and they're they're making money. Like Mm -hmm. there were kids doing that. And I remember seeing that, but it never came across my mind to do that much. Growing up, I won't say spoiled might be a little strong, but um, I didn't want for much. My parents... You know, my, my big goal, my job growing up was basketball in school. So my first, Same. my first job was not until I was in college and then it was super, I did security and we happened to know the owner of the security company, like at all the, the venues around Indy and I would get the easiest job. So like I didn't even have to work. So I would stand on the floor watching the floorboard of a concert at uh Banker's Life or whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm watching like U2 and Eric Clapton and all these awesome bands getting paid to do this. It's super easy. So I didn't have to work hard. Um, and I honestly, I was not somebody who thought about career even through college. I look back on it and I was just going to college. I was going through the motions. Like I went to go play basketball. I knew I wanted to major in business. So I majored in econ. I minored in political science. And my dad, not like forcefully, but just plugged in my ear like, hey, you should think about going to law school. My cousin was a lawyer. So I was like, all right, I'll major in econ, minor political science. I'll go to law school. Mm-hmm. Never thought anything beyond that. Didn't even know what kind of law I wanted. Like I just would eventually figure it out. 
And I mentioned I met my wife going into my senior year, had no idea what I wanted to do with business. Um, I actually took the summer off, so she went to IU. And um, I went down and lived with her for the summer while she finished up because she changed majors and like at the big schools if you change a major it throws you off um so she finished through the summer and i stayed with her mm-hmm. and then i came back and like through the summer when i came back i just networked with other business professionals my dad had a real good network around town introduced me to people and just try to figure out what it is i wanted to do so even when i graduated i i didn't know can i interrupt you there yeah i think that's a really big point that you just made there i i think college students you a lot of times we go through the motions, we try to figure out what to do and you look at LinkedIn and you just apply to jobs. And what you did is, is the right thing. Like just go out and meet people in all these different professions and get an understanding of what you want to do because college, you know, you have a curriculum, but it doesn't necessarily teach you what that job is like. And th- that's probably the best way to actually go out there and figure out here are the options that you have because growing up, you see what your parents did, what your friend's parents did, but that's pretty much all that you're really exposed to professional professionally. And there's so many jobs out there. So Sorry to kind of stop no. you mid thought, but I just thought that was a really good thing that it's you know ins- it's it's applicable to anybody. It's crazy to think at eighteen you know what you want to do, oh, even for at sure. twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, and and going to Franklin College, it's a small liberal arts school. So I remember Angela's senior year, well, our senior year at IU, she went to the, through Kelly. They're bussing in companies for like bids. Like she had to bid to talk to companies, and which is ultimately how she found her first job. Mm-hmm. There weren't companies coming to Franklin College, so I like. You don't even know what's out there. Mm-hmm. I, I do think if you are in college or you're younger now, you have more opportunity to see. Like there wasn't Twitter. There wasn't LinkedIn back then. Like when I was in college, Facebook didn't even come out until I was, after, I was out of college. Mm-hmm. So like there, there wasn't the information access to know what type of professions are out there. You can go to Twitter now and you can follow entrepreneurs and marketers and you can see what's out there and see be, people starting businesses on your smartphone. No, you can set up a store on your phone mm-hmm. and run with it if you can tell your story well. Like, so I do think that the younger generation now has better access to what the possibilities are. Mm-hmm. Like, to your point, I just knew what my parents did and friends of parents did, and like that was it. Um, so, going back to the story, I got lucky. Like, I met with financial advisors. I really liked it. For those that don't know, when it comes to financial services, basically, if you know people who have heartbeats, there's somebody who will take you in, they'll have you sell product, they don't care if you succeed, and then you roll off and they keep on doing it because everybody above you gets a take. Um, So there's not a lot of incentive. So it wasn't hard to find a job as a financial advisor. So I lucked into that, the fact that the job I thought I liked, I went to one place, stayed a year, went to another place, stayed a year, stayed seven years at another firm, two years and launched my firm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got lucky that where I ended up today was still in the same path I started on and I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so there's a little bit of luck in my story that I stumbled across being a financial advisor and opportunities presented itself to keep me going down this path to ultimately find where I was supposed to be, which luckily was still a financial advisor. Um, so where I'm at today, whether it be being a financial advisor running my own firm or running other businesses was not on my radar at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back at it, I'm just kind of like, I got so lucky because I'm sure I could have been somebody who went to college with no game plan and then ended up just doing who knows what, like getting into an account exec job and just running that rat race. So um, a lot of a lot of luck helped me out. Mm-hmm. So as you kind of thought through going out and, and starting your own firm, you know, how did you actually decide to do it? There, there's just, you know, there's a lot of risk. I, I know in financial advising, there's the entry point is a little bit easier. It's not as high of a startup cost, but you know, you went to no guaranteed salary, you know, there's a higher risk of failure. Talk us through how you made this decision and you know, how you ended up determining that it was the best decision for you and your family. Earlier in my career, I knew independence was where I was going to go as a financial advisor. So I I knew when I worked at a large corporation that I did not want to work in the corporate world because I didn't want anybody dictating how hard, like not how hard, how many phone calls I had to make a day, mm-hmm. how much I had to sell, how much new assets I had to bring in, and what products to use. I didn't want that. I wanted to do what I thought was best for my clients and have somebody who would support me in doing that regardless of what it meant for the company. And that's never going to happen in a corporate environment. There's shareholders, there's you know bonuses tied to production. So I knew independence was where I was going to go, 
but I didn't know independence necessarily meant my own firm. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up at an independent firm, um, and it just ended up not being a good fit. So I, f I realized that I, want, I had a vision that I wanted to execute on. I did not know anywhere else that I could go that would allow me to execute, so I had to start my own firm. Um, one of the one an attribute that I have that I'm extremely thankful for, and I want to instill in my boys that I don't know exactly how I got it. I think a little bit's genetics. I think some of it is my parents and the way they brought me up. But I'm a I'm an eternal optimist. Like, mm -hmm. I only see silver lining. I only see half full uh, half full glasses. There's no reason I wouldn't succeed. Mm -hmm. Now I did things along the way. To, I always use this analogy, like starting or making a change, it's always a leap of faith. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my hands. But if you're listening, my hands are real far apart. And through planning, not because I'm a financial planner, but be, through planning, you can shorten that jump. So one thing that is a big risk you mentioned is the monetary side of things. So I built up savings. So I knew I was going to go out on my own. I needed to have money to give me some runway. So I saved as a part of my plan. I sacrificed purchasing things I didn't need to build up over a year's worth of income needs in addition to our emergency fund to be able to launch my firm. And I know not everybody has the ability to save like that, but that was one of the ways I shortened my leap. Um, you know, when I was gonna leave the bigger company, I talked to clients I thought I would love to work with ongoing, navigate my non-compete, but do they view me as their financial advisor or do they view the company who they work with? I basically asked them that in a, in a review meeting and mentally took notes. They all said they viewed me as their advisor and they didn't care where I was. So to mm -hmm. me that meant, okay, these clients would follow me. I'll be conservative. 70% of them follow me. 30% stay just because they just didn't move. Mm -hmm. um, and as I moved my hands closer and closer, it was still a leap of faith, but it was just like a little skip over a little creek. It wasn't a huge, I wasn't trying to jump the ocean. Mm -hmm. So I think that you just identify everything you can for the business. What's it going to cost to run? How much do I have to have in sales or how many clients do I have to have come with me? And just start addressing the things that you know you're going to have to come across and then back those numbers down or if it's expenses, back those numbers up and just be conservative with it and, and then look at it on paper. Does it make sense? And then do you have the characteristics? Like, are you okay with a little bit of failure, are you okay being told no? And are you? Do you really believe in this that you're willing to sacrifice to make it work? Mm -hmm. um, so I went through all those exercises, and <clears throat> there was no way I wasn't going to succeed. I was going to do whatever it took to succeed. And when I launched my firm, I only had 30 clients. I had seven million dollars in assets under management. I didn't even have a subscription model at that point. Mm -hmm. So I didn't start from zero, but I wasn't that far from it. You know, and uh, running a a financial planning firm, 30 clients and 7 million in assets is not a lot. Not enough to support your whole right. family. Not zero, but it's not a lot. Yeah. Luckily, I was able to grow fast. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a game plan for that. But um, I think you just address, the, address your concerns, list them out. How do you address them? Savings, whatever it might be, growth plan, content, how are you going to grow? And then does it look like it's feasible? And there's always going to be a leap. There's always going to be the risk of failure. Um, but you have to be okay with that. And then you have to really want it because it's, it's not easy, but I also think that if you approach it the right way, it's not as hard as other stories you may hear because people didn't plan properly. Mm -hmm. um, now, I can't help you with the optimism side of things because that's just the way I'm wired. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of people aren't. And I'm mm -hmm. so thankful because I cannot imagine going through my life worrying about failing. or And I'm, when I say I'm an eternal optimist, like I'm not foolish. I'm not reckless. Mm -hmm. But... And I'm honest with myself. Like if I if I'm a, approaching something I can't succeed, I'll tell myself that. I don't view that as a negative. I just mm -hmm. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the ability to do it. That's fine. I, I can't do everything. But when there's something that I'm really all in on, and I address all those concerns and check out the boxes, then there's no reason I'm not going to succeed. And I just look back from life, and I it, like that's the way everything has gone. So you can't convince me that the optimistic view doesn't win out over the long run. Mm -hmm. And being optimistic as well helps you through the ups and downs. Um, there were there were a couple of clients that didn't follow me that could have de you know derailed my train, but I just dusted it off and moved forward. It's on mm -hmm. to the next one. Um, and it's, I, I, I kind of approach that with everything. Like I'm with the community we started. Like what, we checked off all the boxes. Why would it not succeed? And it's an amazing community of awesome advisors. And it's something I'm very proud of that I've created. And I hope it grows to continue to be big. And um, I just I just think you. You map everything out, understand your why, make sure you're really committed for it, 
and then you got to just you got to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you fail, that's okay. And if you're young, that's the time to do it because you have yeah. less responsibilities. Um, uh, I guess you could look at it the other way. When I at least I had no opportunity, I had no option other than to make it succeed because I had a wife and two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife had her business, but it couldn't support our family. So there's that was motivation in itself. But I never, I never felt stressed. I never felt pressured. Um, I never was afraid of how things are going to go. I just thought this is going to work. I'm going to succeed. I'm just going to keep focusing on doing things the right way and everything will work itself out. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit of a utopia mindset. Maybe it's a little altruistic, but it, it, it has worked for me and I've seen it work for other people as well. And that's all I need to know is it it's working for me and I know it works for others, then it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final piece of it is I did have a little bit of help in launching my firm. There was a conversation between my former boss and I about my future at the firm. Um, and then ultimately, I would say it was a mutual decision, maybe spurred a little sooner by her. It was decided that that the firm that firm wasn't the best place for me to grow and that there's no reason to delay it. Let's just go ahead and like you go ahead and start your business today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not I've, I wasn't fired. We were having conversations, but the final day was a little bit sooner than I anticipated. And it kind of that conversation sped up real quick. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like you're fired. It was, you know, I've been thinking about it. I know you've been thinking about it. I think the best thing for you is to go start your firm. And there's no reason to delay that. Um, and I got lucky because in our profession, usually when you leave, it's not a pretty thing. You know, mm-hmm. There's there's lawsuits. They're fighting for clients. And I got full blessing. Go start your firm. I know that's what you really want to do. So um, I will say that that ended up being a blessing in disguise. I think that mm-hmm. that could have derailed me as well because oh, I wasn't quite ready. I didn't have all the pieces perfect, but I had everything laid out. And it took away me having to be the one to start that conversation. Mm -hmm. So again, I I share that part of the story because sometimes things happen and in the moment you may not realize that it's the best thing for you, but then in hindsight, I'm real glad I didn't have to start that conversation because I'm not a confrontational person. I don't like to let people down. And it was a mutual discussion. It kind of ramped things up real quick and we were both like, yeah, that makes sense. And then it was off to the races. So, but I had been planning. I had, so that day I had everything lined out except for my company name. I went home that night, set up my LLC, decided I was just going to go RO Wealth Management, went in the next day, finished up some projects, ended on good terms, and then started meeting my clients the, the next week and started registering the firm. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes those, I think that as you're on your way through life, figuring out what your purpose is, where you're supposed to be going, life is going to challenge you. Um, and we know this. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's experienced challenge in their life. I think sometimes those <clears throat> challenges are a test to see how committed are you to this purpose? How committed are you to this mission? So for me, okay, whatever you believe, God's testing me. How bad do you really want your own firm? I'm going to start you a little bit earlier than you had planned, and let's just see if you buckle or if you really want to, You really want this and you're going to do whatever it takes. I really mm-hmm. wanted it. I did whatever it takes, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been other things through through building the firm that could have made me second guess what I'm doing and lead me back to working at another firm. Um, and I just view that as a test. And mm-hmm. I tell my wife that. I said, okay, this is this is a test. These happen periodically. How bad do you want this? And if you, if you come across one of those tests and at that moment you decide, you know what? I don't want this anymore. That's okay too. Again, like all of these experiences are going to guide you and lead you to where you're supposed to be if you let it. Mm-hmm. And you've got to realize that sometimes these tests are meant to see if you're committed. And when you get through that barrier, uh, Ryan Holiday has a book called The Obstacle is the Way. When you get through that obstacle, then it's on to the, ne- like the next phase. And it's boom, you see all this growth. And then you get another test. Or the test is there and the obstacle is not the way this time. That obstacle is to tell you, hey, you're heading down the wrong path. You need to kind of, you know, whether it be trust your gut or talk to people, You've got to be open to those signs and sometimes follow where you're being directed. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, but I've experienced it and I know a lot of people have as well. And I think that if you leave yourself open to these signs and to kind of read what's going on, it'll it'll steer you where you need to be. And then it becomes mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. Um, I think that you have to trust me on it. Yeah, I think there's two good points you made there. One, um, optimism can can go a long way. I mean, just believing in yourself and believing in what you do can really, you know, get you to where you want to go. And the other one, you kind of hit on this in the very beginning, but you had the option to do this because you saved. And so a lot of millennials, a problem that they have is, you know, 
I want to live today. I want to go travel. I want to buy all these new things, a new car. And they don't save money, but saving money is a way for you to create options. If you never had those savings, you probably would not have had, we would not have the same discussion around, yeah, I was able to go start my firm because the risk is so much greater when you don't have a month of income saved. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. So, well, I think you're right. It gives you the flexibility and it's short term sacrifice to give you the opportunity to have that flexibility. I mean, not that we're going to turn this into a financial planning topic, but you don't need to save forever, but get your foundation and give you that flexibility. You need that savings in case there's an emergency, but also that savings can give you the opportunity to pursue something you're passionate about that may change your life. Um, and it's just being able to be in that position. Like, why do most people stay in a job they hate? Because they need the paycheck. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing. When I was in the corporate environment, I knew, I mean, I, I, I still don't make what I made at that company but I'm way happier. Uh, but I knew at any moment they could take away part of my pay. They could change the compensation structure. They could take away one of the school corporations I was working with and I could lose a significant amount of income, not because I did anything because the company decided to, and I may not be able to to build that back up on my own because of the restrictions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's great to have a paycheck. It's great to have benefits, but that comes at a cost as well. You don't control that. Um, and I wanted control. I didn't want anybody to have any influence on my success except for myself. That company I worked for was owned by AIG. So um, I worked there during the Great Recession when AIG took the bailout and people were pissed. Mm-hmm. And even though our company had nothing to do with that, AIG was a part of the name. And AIG's bad decision making and greed impacted my reputation because I was affiliated with them. Yeah, I wanted none of that. I. I know that I'm going to do what's right for my clients. I'm going to take care of people. And I want to be known for that, not because some big brand that provides me a nice salary and benefits um, can, can tarnish that. Because at the end of the day, people are working with me and that does indirectly reflect me. And I didn't want any part of that. So mm-hmm. again, and, and that's, that's the way I'm wired. Not everybody's wired that way, but that is what has led me to where I am today, not wanting that type of influence on my reputation, not wanting to be beholden to a company to provide for me and my family, even if it's at a great rate at that time, that could change without any of my influence. I'd rather bet on myself. And and that's part of who I am and has evolved to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll take that bet any day. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree with that. That's a, a great viewpoint. Um, so you kind of talked about, you know, there's, there's these challenges along the road that you kind of hit them and you realize maybe it's directing you towards a different path or it's just something you have to overcome to see if you're resilient and you can make this work. You know, talk to us about some what some of those challenges were for you that you faced um, to kind of help the listener understand, you know, there are going to be challenges and how, how do we overcome them as, as they happen? Or how do we understand that maybe this is the time that we deviate away? You're gonna think I'm full of it, but like as I look at the firm and even my career and my life, I don't feel like I've had a lot of challenges. That doesn't mean everything's been easy and I've gotten everything that I want. I would love for RLS to be bigger, um, but I think part of the reason I don't view it as having a lot of challenges is that optimism, is that I don't let whatever, what, what might be a challenge for somebody because of the way I view life and the way I approach it is more of a, a speed bump. I got to slow down. It bumps me around a little bit, but then I get past it. And I think that somebody who dwells or is more pessimistic, then that speed bump could become a big challenge and derail them. It may send them somewhere off. So Mm -hmm. if if you don't share this type of mindset, and I know nobody does it, it might be hard to understand what I'm saying. And I, I understand that because... Um, my wife is not pessimistic in any ways, but she's not as optimistic as I am. She mm-hmm. says she's a realist. We balance each other out. Realist. So, yeah. um, so I, I would say, but I look at the challenges and the way I got through them was it was that belief that this is a this is a challenge to see how much do I believe in this. Um, you know, through my career, there was 2008, 2009, the Great Recession, and that could have spooked me. I spent my anniversary, which was September 15th. It's the night the Lehman Brothers went under. You probably, you young guys probably don't know this, but that was kind of the kickoff of mm-hmm. the spiral 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. We were out at dinner. I went home that night. I could have, I could have been scared. Um, I could have been worried, but I spent my anniversary calling all my clients and letting them know, hey, I know what's going on. Don't call, don't panic. No cause for concern yeah. right now. Let's just stick to the plan. I'll keep you up to date as things can transpire. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, panicking is not what we want to do. 
Um, I could have handled that differently that would have made me say, hey, you know what, I don't want to deal with this stress anymore. Because up until that point, I'd never experienced in my career a major market meltdown or mm -hmm. a recession. And here I am trying to figure this out in an environment where they're providing no support. Um, COVID comes along. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's all these, so there's these challenges, but I just look at, I know, I know there's always going to be something. I know something's going to come up and I'm not looking for it, but when it comes, it doesn't knock me off my, off my path because I know there's going to be something and it's just getting through it. Um, mm -hmm. and you know what, and then maybe I'll have a bigger challenge that comes, but we've had our challenges. Like my wife had a brain tumor. Um, it wasn't cancerous, but she had a brain tumor when, uh, when Leo was 18 months old. Um, so I navigated my wife having brain surgery and having wow. a recovery with two boys. Um, you know, it, that could have been something that really spiraled down for me, but I was optimistic. Like when we found out she had a brain tumor, you're going to be okay. Like we're going to get through this. Like we're going to look back on this and she's fine. Mm -hmm. Everything is good. Not, I mean, thankfully, yeah. um, but and not that my optimistic view on life is what caused us to get through that and her to heal the way she was. That's, that's, you know, God's hand in it. That's a little bit of luck. Uh, but the way we handled it, the way we got through it, I think was a lot faster than it could have been if we were feeling sorry for ourselves and woe is me. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I, that's where that optimistic view, I think, helps with the challenges. So I think if you're, you know, what on, you're on your path, you're on your journey, expect that there are going to be challenges. Expect that there's going to be tough times. You don't have to enjoy it. You don't have to want it them, but know they're going to come and find the silver lining in every environment and in every situation to keep yourself going. That silver lining is going to allow you to say, hey, we're going to get through this and there's going to be positive on the other side. It's going to keep you from spiraling. I mean, we all know the person, we all know the Debbie Downer, like bad things keep on helping to the helping or bad things keep on happening to these people. And I think part of it is they keep themselves in that cycle by always viewing the negative and it just kind of attracts it. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you can break that cycle and find some silver lining, then you'll start to notice more positive things and it'll, it'll bring more positive to your light, to your life. So, mm -hmm. um, Knock on wood, I've been very fortunate in my path, and I think that part of it's the planning, part of it's my approach and the way I view on life, and then part of it is luck as well. Mm -hmm. No, that make that makes a lot of sense. I think part of that too is just the mindset that you have. I think we're both similar in this way that you, there's this comparison game, and you see that obviously there are people that have it better, but our lives are pretty good, and then you see people with everything going on right now that are really struggling and lives are harder, and so you see the challenges that we face, and you're like, I mean, if the hardest challenge you face is trying to find new clients, like you're, you're pretty lucky. Your life is, is going pretty well. So and I, I like want to get to the point that the people that are struggling, I'm in a position to be able to <laughs> help them directly. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, that's the next phase is how do I get to a point where, um, I can be somebody who is helping other people in times of needs. Mm -hmm. I think you're already kind of known as that from people. So <laughs> you're doing good. Um, so what advice would you give to someone regardless of industry around starting a business? You know, what are, what are some things that they should expect? So I, I was looking forward to this question and this will apply not just to starting a business, but just figuring out your way. So the, again, this is all about a journey towards your purpose and then aligning everything in your life to feed you to that purpose. So you want to get alignment in your life. I think one of the best things I've done over the last few years, one of the best things you could do is network like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, get to know people and don't network from a standpoint of this will be good for my business. This will be good for, you know, for me financially or whatever it might be. Network just to, to meet people mm -hmm. and learn their stories and learn what they've been through and learn what it is they do. And the more that you get to do that, you have more life experiences that you pull from other people that you can learn from, but then you never know where those connections might lead you. So I think one of the best things I've done that's helped me on my journey is just genuinely reaching out and learning about people. You are reaching out to learn about them, not to tell them about you. Mm -hmm. You'll naturally do that and you'll bond, but you find people that there's something about them that attracts you, not physically, but just like the way they view life, the way they do business, what they write about, what they talk about, it, it resonates with you. you know reach out to them. You'll be surprised how many people will have a phone call if you approach it the right way mm -hmm. and just build out this network. And they don't have to be famous people. Just build out your network because one of the most powerful assets you can build, when we talk about savings, mm -hmm. is, is a network um, for many, many reasons. Could be future jobs, future businesses that you start, connecting people. If you can be a connector, 
uh, that's a real good thing as well. Um, I think another thing I do is think about putting other people first. So Gary Vaynerchuk is somebody that I really like, and he talks about give, give, take. And that just resonates with me. Like, like I am way, going back to working with advisors, I'm way more excited when my friends make lists or they get recognized or they're in the press than I am. Um, I want to help other advisors. I want to help you raise up and be in the limelight. I could give two craps if I'm in the limelight. Like I want you mm. to be there. So I think putting other people first when it comes to the networking as well helps you out. So think of others first. Think about how you can give to them and try to give more to them than they could ever give to you. And it will be funny the way the universe works and brings good things to you. Yeah, it's funny because I think that was one of the first pieces of advice I got when I graduated. And I mean – if you think about it, that's how we met. I mean, I reached out to you. I was trying to learn more about financial planning, how to become better. I was all over YouTube podcasts and I stumbled upon you and I reached out and said, Hey, you know, I love what you're doing. I'd love to sit down and meet. And now we work together. Mm -hmm. So obviously you have no idea where it goes, but that was how I found every mentor. And I credit the advisor I am today, just because you go out and learn from other people. I mean, if you, if you just reach out and say, Hey, I love what you're doing. Your content is great. You know, most people are going to be like, hey, you want to sit down for an hour and chat? I'd love to hear about your story and see if there's any way it can help. I mean, people are genuinely, you know, nice in this world. As much as the news makes it seem like it's not, people want to help other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think that's great advice. And that's an optimistic view on life. I'm with you. I believe that most most people are good at heart. It's There's very few that are bad, mm -hmm. but those are the ones that get all the news coverage. So you're right. People will – and. If somebody says no, like don't tarnish the fact, don't let that tarnish what you like about them. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just caught them at a super busy time. Maybe in the future you'll have the opportunity. Um, so network, um, you know, be genuine in the reason for the, the networking. Try to give more than you take from people. Um, and then I would also just say consume as much content as you can, whatever your field is, and then whatever your interests are. So whether that is reading other people's blogs, whether that is watching YouTube, listening to podcasts, just consume as much content. There's so much information out there. It can be overwhelming, but we are so lucky to have all that because mm -hmm. it allows you to learn about other opportunities. It allows you to shape your own thoughts. And I would tell you that as you go through consuming content, go through it with an open mind and also take what you're reading and learning and, and tailor it to what your beliefs are. So don't become you know, a copycat of somebody else read somebody or consume somebody's content and learn, uh, but then how does that apply to the way you view life and how can you take that and spin that and turn it into the way you believe it? Mm -hmm. And then I would also encourage people to create their own content as well. Mm -hmm. um, because again, give it out, you know, you're helping other people, somebody's following behind you that's gonna learn from you, but in the, in the process of creating content, you are strengthening your views on things, you're becoming a better communicator and you, like the beliefs I have now and the direction that I'm going, if I wasn't creating content the last five years, I would not be there. Mm -hmm. Creating, I'm the type of person that, being optimistic and not wanting to have conflict, I'm the type of person that on most things, I can ride the middle. I can see both sides to most arguments. There's mm -hmm. a handful of things that like I have very strong beliefs on, but yeah. a lot of times I can see and I want to be a mediator. But over the last five or six years, as I've created content and started to put my voice out there and gotten more conviction in what my beliefs are, I have more stances on things and I'm more comfortable standing for something. And I think that actually helps me with my business endeavors because mm -hmm. now I have a belief in something that I'm willing to put my flag in and say, flag in the ground and say, hey, this is what I stand for, this is what I believe in. And that's good because that attracts people who believe that as well. And if I wasn't consuming and creating my own content, I don't know if I would have gotten to the point where I would have been comfortable with my own voice to take a stance. Mm -hmm. So I think that consuming content is great. I also would think you should create it as well. And don't worry about if anybody reads it or watches it. Like that's yeah. not why you're doing it. Write for an audience of one, yourself, to get your thoughts out there, figure out what it is that you, you believe in, um, and then learn as long as, uh, as well along the way. And if people follow along and love it, great. Mm -hmm. But that isn't the reason that you're doing it. If you do all those things, you will have a wide network of people who like you, that you're helping improve their lives. You're getting benefit from them. And whenever you need to pull levers for your next phase or your next part of your journey, you're going to have the connections to be able to help you. 
And then you're also building this brand for yourself of what you stand for, which will be valuable to somebody, whether that's a future employer, a future spouse, a future client, a friend, whatever it may be, people are going to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think the creating content side is, is really interesting because you hit on this, that it can be hard for people to do it because of the fear of, you know, what do people think? But at the end of the day, like if somebody is judging you based on that, or they make fun of you for it, like, is that somebody that you want in your life? Probably not. So who really cares? And I think the other side on the content is people believe that unless you're selling something, what's the point of doing content. So obviously like we're selling ourselves, we want people to work with us, we're going to put out content. But whether even if you're at a corporate job, you know, go still go out and create content. You know, you're looking for your next job and you have you versus somebody else and you both have a similar resume, but you have a website that you created, you have a blog, you have a podcast. They're going to like that side that you're a go-getter and that might make the difference in you getting a job. And then lastly, you just learn a ton. Like the research that it takes to actually go out and create content and come up with these thoughts helps develop you as a person, you in your job, you in kind of every single way. So I really like the content idea. Obviously, I think people who follow along with us know that content is our driver for pretty much everything. So, And I, I know it's probably wild that we're sitting on this podcast now we're talking about content, but it all feeds into this. And again, the, I mean, this is your podcast, but from what we've talked about, this is designed to help people along their journey, young, young professionals. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that we're in a time where personal branding it's a buzzword. I think a lot of people do it poorly. And I think that what people think personal branding is, is not really what it truly is. I think personal branding is really just, it's your reputation, it's what mm -hmm. you stand for, what you believe in, and it's packaging and putting up there. So we talk about creating content. How do we get here? Why? Well, it's a big part of what it is that I do. It's a part of my journey. And we're, we're talking about that, but you don't have like, you don't have to create content for your work. It, you have a passion in life. Write about that. If you love photography, you know, share your photography and write a little bit about it and just put that out there and you never know where that may go. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that it's very easy to do. It does open you up to people being mean. There's a lot of, you know, cyber bullies and people who hide behind anonymous accounts that want to talk trash. And like my thought on that is how miserable is their life if the way they get joy is to try to tear people down? Like mm -hmm. you just dust that stuff off. You can't yeah. let that stuff bother you. Um, so yes, it's weird that we went down the, the path of content. That's a big part of who I am. It's a big part of my purpose. You know, content is a form of education as well. So one of the ways that I can give back to my profession and give back to um, the world is by helping people get a better understanding of their finances, even if they don't work with me. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, hopefully the content leads to growth for us. But um, I set out to have my blog to help educate first. That's why mm -hmm. it's, that's why my original blog is not on our company website. It was designed to educate and put content out there to help people. And then I hoped that it would bring yeah. business, um, not the other way around. Yeah. And there's actually one thing that um, on the advice side that I, that we didn't necessarily hit on, but I know is a big belief of yours. And that's just study other industries. You know, mm -hmm. if you're, for us, we're in the financial advising industry. We don't just go study people in marketing and financial advising. We go look at other industries that are kind of farther ahead and say like, how can we replicate that and bring that back to here? And I've, I've seen you tweet about this all the time. And I just think that's a great point of don't get I think even smaller than that, don't you just get head down in, in your firm and listen to whatever everybody says and say, this is the way that I have to do it. Like go out and learn and take, take pieces from every industry and figure out, you know, what's the right way for you to sell yourself or just figure out what you want to do. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, so now we have four questions that we're going to end with, with everyone. Um, the first one is, as you look back on your journey, is there anything that you would change? Um, or is there anything that you would do differently knowing what you know now? Would you start earlier maybe? So the, the, when I originally read that, my immediate answer was, I wish I would have started my firm earlier. But then as I sit back and reflect, and I truly do believe that every stop along the way has helped me get to where I am today, I don't think I would change much. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any, any regrets. Uh, I wish, you know, I, things maybe, I wish some things were a little different, but it's not anything like meaningful in life. Um, so I don't think I would change much because I think everything I've experienced has led me to where I sit today. And today I am more focused than I've ever been. I know where I'm supposed to go. I know what I'm supposed to build and I'm super excited about it. And mm -hmm. I don't think I would have got there if I would have done anything any sooner. I would have missed out on connections that I made when I made them that led to other things. So mm -hmm. I, I, I really don't. Um, well, that's good. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's a positive. I don't think there's many people that could say that. Right. Um, well, uh, uh, real quick. And I, 
I mean, I'm sure I could go back and reflect on life and find something and view it in a negative light and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, okay, it would have been awesome if I could have tried to go. So coming out of high school, I made my own highlight tape and sent around to colleges. I wasn't highly recruited. Ended up division three, so obviously. <laughs> but I had, I had the opportunity. I got a letter back from Notre Dame that if I got accepted there, I could have a walk-on. Mm. And I didn't really, like, I didn't, I half-assed the application, so I didn't get into Notre Dame. And maybe I wouldn't have. But I probably could have pursued that harder, or I could have gone to some other smaller Division One schools and tried to walk on, and I could have played Division One basketball. Um, maybe to, maybe being on a Division One team could have led me to playing over in Europe. Or maybe I could have tried to play out of Europe out of Division Three college, mm -hmm. and I could have played basketball as a profession. But then I probably wouldn't have married my wife. And we wouldn't have been out on the night before Thanksgiving in Broad Ripple where I ran into my friend from high school, which was the first firm I went to work at. Mm -hmm. um, and that sets off the chain of events that lands me here. I wouldn't have Roman, Leo, and Silas, who are the absolute loves of my life, um, the, the center of everything for me, if I would have gone and played basketball. Over. So like, I, you go back and like the butterfly effect, I don't know if you saw that movie, yeah. where like one little change changes everything. I could go back and say that like, oh, I wish that wouldn't have happened, but then I wouldn't be here. And I am where I'm supposed to be today because of all those chain of events. Mm -hmm. And I think that that understanding that the path reveals itself, you just have to follow it and mm -hmm. have a little bit of trust for it allows me to look back and not have a lot of regrets. Also, as I look forward and I do my planning, like I know what's most important to me. Like this is the, this is the way we've changed the way we do planning at our firm because I've experienced it that I'm planning for the life that I want. I'm planning so that when I look back, I don't have to have any regrets because I'm not missing the boys' sports. I'm able to go on uh, vacations when I want. I can go to their um, field trips. Like I'm making sure that my life allows me to do that so I don't have those regrets. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, I'm very privileged to be able to do that and be in a position, but I do think that people can bring more of that to their life if they're willing to put the work in and, and kind of know what they want and then try to plan for it mm -hmm. that's a good point we're always just one decision away from living a completely different life right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right um next question so what advice would you give to a millennial that is trying to figure out what direction to take with their life don't try too hard uh, i think you know it gets made fun of when people say they want to pursue their passion mm -hmm. and there are certain passions you can never make a career out of it but mm -hmm. you are in control of what you determine is most important to your life if you are not excited by money and material things and you don't need a lot of money to live off of and your passion is something that doesn't bring a lot of income but brings you a lot of joy in the life that you want, then pursue it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that you don't try too hard and don't get so laser focused that you miss out on the opportunity you're supposed to take. Yeah. So I just think leave yourself open to signs and be willing to explore things knowing that you might waste a little bit of time Maybe you waste a little bit of money, but you know that that wasn't the right path for you. And those misses will eventually lead you to where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then if you find where you're supposed to be, like you know, and when you know you know, that's when you go all in. That's when you put the blinders on, you cut out all the distractions, and you go hard. But I would say make whatever's most important to you, make the center of everything you want to do and build that life you want around it. Mm -hmm. So for me, family is, is one that the business and all the other things I do are built around my family. So I've built my business that we don't have busy summers. Mm -hmm. Our reviews are the beginning of the year in the fall. So when the boys are off school, I have more flexibility that I don't have to work as hard. I'm still available. I'm still working, but I have more flexibility. Yeah. I intentionally did that. I could have spread our reviews all through the year. So it's, we don't have any super heavy months. It's, you know, very light through the whole year, but that takes away that flexibility. So mm -hmm. build your life around the things that are most important to you and know what those things are. Yeah, and I think an important, important part there you talked about is the money side. I think a good piece of advice for millennials coming out is don't make a decision just based on money. I, I think, I mean, you can attest to this. We have clients so you can attest to this, but like taking a career just because it's going to make you a lot of money is not worth the misery of 20 to 30 years to do it just so you can retire with a lot of money and hope you can start to enjoy life then. Like that's as much as that sounds like it could be good, working long hours, never seeing your family, never seeing your friends, never being able to travel just to get a higher paycheck maybe isn't really gonna bring you that life that you thought it could. I'll challenge one side of that though. I would say that it could be the right approach for somebody if it's a part of the plan. So mm -hmm. I'm young, I don't have family, I'm willing to go bust it and make 
a bunch of money early on to get all that savings to give me the flexibility to pursue something later um, on. So it could be, you could go mm-hmm. into that, say, this is, this is a stepping stone. I'm not gonna do this for long term. I'm gonna grind it hard. I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna make a lot of money early on if I'm fortunate enough to be in the position. But then I'm going to go down the path that I enjoy the most. But I need those means in the first few years mm-hmm. to allow me to do that. And if that's your plan, mm-hmm. it's planned, then I say go for it. If it's not planned, then I think yeah, you're right. You're going to end up missing out. You're not going to have the family life that you want. You're going to have money in these material mm-hmm. possessions. But there's a lot of depressed millionaires out there. And there's a lot of happy poor people out there. Mm-hmm. Because the happy poor people have family. They have relationships. They have love. Um, which will make people happy. I mean, money brings happiness and money does solve problems. But making that the center of everything that you do, I think will lead to a, a lonely, sad life. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, for you, what would you say is your biggest money mistake? Now, this is a silly one, but I think my biggest money mistake is selling some Apple stock that I had to finish our basement. Mm. <laughs> we, we built our house that we're in today before we had Roman. And when we found out we were pregnant, we decided, well, we want to finish the basement and we want to do it before we have a baby because we didn't want to mess. Mm-hmm. And instead of like taking a home equity loan, I, I sold Apple stock to do it. And mm-hmm. that was a long, like the Apple stock would be worth a lot of money right now. Not life-changing money, but, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I say it's a silly one because it's not a bad decision, but you know, I've, I've had a good money relationship even before getting <clears throat> into the profession. Like my money story has been pretty strong. So, you know, we've always had emergency funds. We've been responsible for our money. We've lived below our means that there hasn't been anything hugely detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to buy a Tesla. That would be a bad money decision. But this makes you so mean we you and I both love Morgan Housel. Yeah. And he's got a great book called The Psychology of Money. I know you're reading right now. I already read it. And he is multiple times. There's another advisor that says personal finance is more personal than finance. Um, and for me, I've like, I love the electric car idea. I love the way the Tesla looks. I'm not a car guy, but I, I love it from a financial standpoint. It's a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. It's a super expensive car. A car really just gets you from point A to point B. Uh, but like, that is something that I would really love to have one day, mm-hmm. um, because I like it. Yeah. It could be a good money decision because it brings happiness and enjoyment and I make sacrifices elsewhere to do it. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it yet. So maybe in the future I'd say buying a Tesla is my worst money mistake. But uh, at this point it was selling Apple when it was a long time ago. It'd be worth more money now. <laughs> True. Which I say I'm fortunate that that's like the money mistake I think of. Yeah. So then what would you say is the best financial decision that you've made? I think the best financial decision I've made is living below my means. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I've lived on as my means have grown has raised up with it. So we talk about like lifestyle creep and in lifestyle inflation. I think that as you work hard and you make more money, you should allow yourself to benefit from that. Um, yeah. But don't let it get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the best thing we've done is live below our means, which has allowed us to have an emergency fund. It's allowed us to have savings, the flexibility to start businesses. Um, so I, I think that's because when we first came out of college, I mean, my wife was in home sales and her peers at the firm were spending money like crazy um, while we were socketing it away and saving it. You know, we, when you work for a home builder, you get a discount on a home. So all of her friends were building $400,000 homes, getting good discounts on it. Um, we built a townhome, mm-hmm. like super affordable, um, worst time to do it. That's another story for another day. But we were more responsible. We, I mean, we mm-hmm. didn't go do that, which allowed us to save a lot of money. So um, living below my means. Mm, good answer. Anything else that you want to say to the listeners before we end? No, just, uh, I think, well, I guess, yes, not no. Uh, I think that the main thing, my hope, my hope for you at this conversation, the takeaway being that you, you figure out what it is that you want out of life and then find out how you can pursue that and see if it's what you're supposed to be doing. And also reevaluate where you're heading from time to time because sometimes your path changes and there's other things that you're passionate about that you wanna pursue. And not everybody's passions are pursuable. Not everybody's passions will actually lead them to the life that they want. But I, I think that we all owe it to ourselves to give us the best opportunity to live the lives that we want 
not the lives that society or our parents or social media says we should live. Mm -hmm. So figure out what it is that you want, figure out how can you make that happen? Does it work? And if it does go all in on it, Uh, Mm -hmm. because if you get everything in alignment, it makes life so much more enjoyable. You're doing all the things you want to do. None of the things that you don't want to do. It doesn't mean you don't have those challenges, but it puts you in a much better position to really enjoy life and maximize the value that you're getting out of life, which I think ultimately should be everybody's goals. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great piece of advice. Well, the other thing yeah. I would say is just make sure you subscribe to Thomas's podcast. <laughs> don't miss an episode. Thanks for plugging that. Well, Justin, thanks for joining me today. I mean, this has been a long time coming. I think it was a great conversation. So thanks. You're welcome. And great job on the first interview. No, thank you.